another episode of Gen Zero, a Pokemon movie podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Doug. What movie did we watch this week, Doug? Uh, this week was Zoark, Master of Illusions. Yep, this one doesn't have much like the Lucario... Actually, no, I take that back. I was going to say, much like the Lucario movie, this doesn't have a legendary in the title, but that did. It had the mystery of Mew. So, yeah, this is probably... Yeah, this is the first one without an actual legendary in the title, which is weird. Don't get us wrong. There are legendaries in this movie, though. Yes. Surprisingly, more than we thought. <laughs> we thought it was just the Celebi, but we'll get into more about that as we go on. So let's hop right in. Uh, the intro is kind of weird this time. It starts off with still images of the Pokemon flying by. I thought that was kind of weird for for how it usually goes. Like it, Like, some of them have been really big budget with the legendaries flying by. Yeah. Like, 3D intros in that. Yeah. And, C- well, CG, I mean, but... Yeah. But these are just, like, still images flying by in space. Yeah, it's really weird. And then it goes right into uh, Ash fighting Gold. Yeah, which is strange? Yeah, kind of. Well, I guess it's not really specifically depicting this, time, or right now. Yeah. It's depicting Ash's journey, I guess. Not so much as what's going on right now. Also, Ash beats Gold. Yeah. It's one-on-one. He's got Pikachu, so. But he's going against a Dawn fan. Yeah. Also, Dawn's there. Gold beats Red. So does that mean Ash can beat Red? I doubt that. (laughs) Then cuts to them going to the next town and watching TV. And what's on TV? It's Bakker. Oh, goddammit. Yeah, uh, it's... Pokemon sports, specifically played what seems to be two teams of three Pokemon. Right, and I'm not sure if it's like a rule or anything, but the Pokemon they're playing are all of the same evolutionary trait. I don't know if that's an actual like thing that has to happen. But from what it looks like, it if you put made a football into a top, right, and we're allowed to dribble it, bounce it, throw it, hit it, yeah, to get to the other side of the field on ramps. Yeah. And scored into a flying triangle goalpost uh, thing? Pyramid, because it's three-dimensional. Pyramid, pyramid, yes. That's two-dimensional for us, technically. Well, yeah. But, yeah, it's a weird field sport that mixes the rules of, I guess, basketball and soccer is where they got Bakker from, maybe? Because you can dribble the ball. Maybe, but the ball is shaped like a football. Yeah, it's shaped like a football if you, like stretched out the middle part and while they're watching this they they decide that they want to go to crown city where the like the super bowl of bakker is being held or the world cup i guess of bakker is being held and uh for whatever reason team rocket are behind their couch as they're watching tv which makes really no sense i still think it's a pokemon center they're at it could be a really fancy one you see the size of the flat screen that place has? Yeah. The budget's not going to medical. Well, socialized healthcare for Pokemon doesn't really matter. And then the the Bakker match advertises the next match is with the famous man named Kodai and his three Pokemon who happen to be Suicune, <laughs> Entei, and Raikou. 
Tell me if that's not cheating. Yeah, seriously. You're going to use three legendaries to fucking play your stupid guild sport. Then we see a image of Zoark, the main Pokemon of this movie. And climbs climbing out of the back of its head, apparently, or hair, I guess, uh, is Zora, uh, the pre-evolved form. Right. And they're just kind of napping there, and it zooms out, and we're on this huge plane boat sh- airship thing. Yeah, it's it's a giant cargo plane, like, but it has to have all the special Pokemon-style accoutrement to it, so it looks kind of dumb. It does, but honestly, as far as things have gone, it's probably the least offensive giant air transport we've seen. Yeah, at least it's not held up by drills or tiny little propellers. It's actually got real plane propellers, etc. It looks logical in its own way. Um, And then we see Zorark facing off against the legendary trio. Apparently... Kodai, the guy who was training those three, wants Zorark to try to transform into them. So he transforms into Raikou and uses a special ability. And as the special ability is going through the air, because it's like a big tornado type thing, or a thundercloud, Kodai raises his wrist and he has like this weird bracelet with a light on it and apparently this is called a or an illusion canceller the effects of it apparently negate zorak's illusion powers but only for the wielder of the bracelet yeah and both kodai and his assistant who is uh rowena thank you uh are the only ones in this room without one or with them so, they're unaffected by Zorak's illusions. They kind of reminded me of uh, Mega Bracelets, but without the stone in the center. Yeah, kind of. Um, then we also find out that the the Entei, the Raikou, and the Suicune that Kodai has are holograms. So, that Entei, also fake. So, that's the third fake Entei we've seen in the movies so far. They love fake Entei. We have yet to see a real Entei. Um, then a ninjas <laughs> comes and takes Zoro away, and Zorark gets electrocuted. And tries to go after Zoro, but can't make it. But as Zora is being taken away by the ninjask, it escapes, eventually gets out of its clutches as it, they're going through the bowels of the ship, basically. And it slams into one of the, a loose plate in the wall and runs off, uh, it shows off its ability to transform just like Zorark. It transforms into a a scissor that's apparently guarding the halls, I guess. Um, this confuses the scissor. Uh, but eventually the ninjask shows up again and chases Zorark basically off the plane. It does the thing where it slams into the side of, like, a side plate, and this side plate just happened to be part of the... Ex- external part of the plane. Yeah, that seems to happen quite a bit for uh, Zor. Like, just just seems to slam against things and then open doors that aren't yeah. visible normally. You would think the external parts of the plane would be a little better welded together than to be that easily removable. 
but yeah, Zora gets out and eventually falls off the plane because they're flying too fast. It slams into a bunch of Hopip, uh, Skip Bloom, and Jump Luffs, and transforms into a Skip Bloom itself. And it just kind of like floats away. Yeah. It, it does its best to fall with style, yeah. as you can't actually like fly. Uh, then Celebi shows up. So we get our first actual legendary. Because everything else has been either fake or non-existent so far. It flies past a clock, I guess. It's a day clock, we find out later. And it counts down from two to one. That's really all that scene. And then we get the actual intro, which is kind of weird. It's not nearly as good as most of the other intros. This is the title screen, or the title. Then we finally catch up with Ash, Brock, and Dawn. It's still Dawn at this point. Uh, they are taking what Brock called a shortcut to Crown City, which is where they're headed. And, of course, that means they're lost. No one ever uses the word shortcut without meaning I'm lost. Pretty much, especially down in the Pokemon universe. Um, they see a bunch of Unifly, like a whole horde of them. I, this, actually, this reminds me of the, the Celebi movie, when Pikachu, Ash, and Celebi saw the Butterfree. Ah, the horde actually, of Butterfree yeah. floating by. Yeah. Only this is Ash, Brock, and Dawn. Huh. It's a different region. Yeah. We gotta update it a bit. Basically the same exact thing, though. Um, Team Rocket are still following Ash and company, of course. This time they run into Zora, uh, Skiploom. It kind of falls on them. Yeah, lands, I think, right on, yeah, James's head. Uh, after, <laughs> after landing on James's head, it falls back down to the ground and lands amongst a bunch of Vigoroth. And somehow pisses them off. Uh, it runs away from them, but it gets cornered on a cliff. This is where Ash sees it and chases after it to uh, help it out. And there's no fight here. No. Uh, Ash shows up and says, grouping up on a bunch of, or a bunch of Pokemon grouping up on one defenseless Pokemon is no fair, and bullying is wrong. Uh, so. Ash sends out his Infernape, Dawn sends out her Mamoswine, and they kind of have a Mexican standoff for a little bit, and then the Vigoroth just kind of go away. And then Ash says something about, uh, are you okay, or something like that to the Zora, and then we find out the, probably one of the most depressing parts of this movie. It responds to him. Yeah, it can talk. Yay, another talking Pokemon. And the scariest part, I think, was that the first thing it says is, I didn't need your help, or something along those lines. Which instantly made me think of Shaman. Yeah. Instantly. It really gave flashbacks to Shaman at first, because this thing likes to snicker. Yeah. Which makes it kind of, that seem a little bit cocky at first. Right. Which, yeah, really gives makes me think of Shaman. Yeah. Luckily... It's not nearly as bad as Shaman in any regards. No, no. We find out that the the Zora is headed to Crown City too. It's looking for what it calls its Mima, which uh, context clues 
leads you to believe that he's ta it's talking about the Zorark. Uh, we don't actually get a relationship between these two, except for the fact that I think Kodai says something about Zora not actually being related to Zorark really early on. He says something like, oh, you really want to protect this thing even though it's not related to you or something, or it's not yours, or something like that. Yeah, I... He does mention that, but the way they played the rest of the movie, it really seems like Zorark is Zora's parent. Yeah, or at least adoptive parent of some kind. Well, they're, they are the same race, so... Yeah. And then we find out, obviously we already know about its special ability, but then it displays its special ability to regroup by turning into ash. Uh, problem is... Apparently, human transformation is way harder than Pokemon transformation because it still has a tail in its human form. Uh, and whenever someone grabs the tail, it transforms back. And immediately snickers. Yes. I like to think that means its tail is its ticklish spine. That's actually yeah. why it's laughing. Probably. Also, every time it transforms back from being a human, it turns into the fat version of that person for a second. <laughs> I thought that was weird. It's distorting. You can't keep its yeah. composure. Um, <laughs> then we get a close-up shot of Zorark here as it is sent out to Crown City on Kodai's orders. We don't really get much of an explanation here. But I have to mention, during a close-up, the one thing that I have to take <laughs> away from this. Uh. Every time I look at Zorark's mouth, it looks like it just got done eating spaghetti and it still has a little bit of sauce around its mouth. And I, <laughs> I, I can't stop seeing that every time I look at it. It, it really does look like it had just eaten something. Yeah. So every time you look at Zorark now, you will think about it eating spaghetti. And whenever it smiles, it was it's ready for spaghetti. Yeah, it gets released in the Crown City. And that's all we get of that scene. Uh, day breaks and we see Celebi cuts back to Celebi wandering through the city kind of making flowers grow and shit like that as Celebi does yep the only thing really we find out about this is uh, that the trees were destroyed in this city a long time ago yeah 20 years ago all plant life had died apparently in the city uh, we meet up two people here a an older lady who we find out later is named Tammy and a younger girl who I don't think we ever get her name. Kind of glad. Yeah. Super annoying. Thank God she isn't in the movie much. She's not the like movie companion. Uh, but she's super annoying. It's strange because she's animated like a movie companion. Yeah. She's a unique like character. She's not a background thing. Right. But yeah, we only see her like three or four times she has a stupid tech backpack uh, it's not that bad it's just got flags that pop out of it it could be worse it could be but it's still stupid oh it's absolutely dumb but i mean look at her she's got freaking magnemite scrunchies and a shirt that has the magnemite magnets on Wasn't it there a gym leader that had uh something like that maybe i don't remember the next scene is of team rocket lounging in a tree and they talk about how they don't want to get up. And we see a return to form for James. <laughs> he, he says, I want to impeach the sun. 
<laughs> which just with his inflection and the way he says it, it, it it's a really nice return to form for him, I think. Zorark then shows up into town, transforms into uh, Raiko, I believe. No, Suicune. Oh, right, Suicune first. And just kind of starts fucking up the city. It turns into each legendary in turn. It turns into Suicune, then Entei, Entei then Raiko. Which means that is fake Entei number four. We have... We've gone through four different variations of Entei and haven't seen a real one yet. <sighs> so many. I, I I get the idea. Yeah, we have we have fake legendaries. We need some to draw out other things. But use more than one legend. No, stop using Entei. Yeah, stop you, using Entei. You, you've used him to death. You, you could even use a fake Raiko. I mean, come on. Uh, oh, also we failed to mention that when Kodai released Zor. Zorar, it, uh, he also released a bunch of ca- drones, basically, camera drones, to um, film the destruction that's happening, uh, that Zorar is unleashing. And basically, he his plan is to frame the legendary trio for destroying the city and get everyone to evacuate. He also blames Zorark specifically, saying that Zorark is controlling the legendary trio for whatever reason. Yeah, and right after uh, Zorark transforms into Raiko, we see something that I hadn't expected at all. I, nor did I, and I, though I was very glad. Yeah, I thought it was uh, it's fucking awesome. We see Suicune, we see Entei, the, the real, real one. one, not, well... It's still the real one. It's still a real Entei. Entei and Raiko. We see all three of them. Only there's a little difference to them. They're fucking shinies. They're the shiny versions. Uh, of course, uh, if you remember, during this movie event, the shiny versions were released as a promotional item. You could catch the shiny, or you could download download the shinies into your games i don't care it's a real it's a real entei it it's shiny otherwise it's still a real entei it's a real entei we have yet to see the red faced entei a real version in the movies yet but this is a real entei i don't care we're done with entei's they have more than enough legendaries they don't need to keep showing the same one over and over seriously i would love to see i don't know what what legendaries haven't they done yet i don't know what was that fucking ho Hasn't been in a movie. It's been like in the intro. It was in the, stuff. It was in the first ser- first the, episode of the cartoon, though. Yeah, but it hasn't been in any actual. Ash will ne- no, you know what? I think specifically so. Ash never meets Ho because it was the very it's the one that inspired him to go on. You know what? Now that I think about it, if Ash ever actually sees the Ho, he's gonna wake up from the coma that he's been in, according to that one theory about Pokemon. After the shiny show up, there. They're obviously sensing the disturbance in the town, so they're heading that way. At least that's what it makes it seem. And then we see that Ash and company didn't get to make it into Crown City, and they got blocked off by Officer Jenny, who has evacuated the town. Then we see, like I was saying before, Kodai shows a, a basically a news broadcast of Zorark as the three legendary dogs yeah yeah dogs. three legendary dogs destroying the city and zorua sees this 
and recognizes Kodai and says, he's a really bad man. He's destroying the city on purpose. Uh, I'm going to go after him because I want to get my Meemaw back. It then turns into Brock and runs off. And then a, a guy named Carl shows up. Apparently he's a reporter, a journalist, who's after Kodai. So he's really interested in his illicit activities. Oh, also he... I guess he's from Unova because he knows about Zora and Zoroark. So uh, he's not really surprised. He's kind of taken aback a little bit when it can talk, but that's really it. Actually, I think he's been to Unova. I don't think he's actually from Unova because oh, he no. mentions this You're is right. his hometown. Yeah, he is from Crown City. He's just been been abroad. You're right. That's really all we get for that scene. It then moves on to Celebi see, uh, watching Zoroark and... Uh, Kodai is watching well, Celebi, and then we get... And stupid happens. Yeah, stupid stuff starts popping off like crazy. Uh, Kodai mentions that he will find what's called the Time Ripple, and then has a vision. His eyes go all, like, glowy green, and he has a vision of him meeting up with Ash, basically, and a bunch of other people. And apparently he, he's, he thinks that he finds the Time Ripple. And he's really happy about it. He also sees in the vision uh, with Ash is his secretary amongst the people trying to stop him. So he kind of gives her a sideways glance. It's like, all right, got to watch this bitch. Then Carl, after uh, introducing himself, shows them how to get into the city from outside the city. Apparently there is a trapdoor in the windmill and that leads to the sewers. And that's how they're going to get into the city. While they're in the sewers, uh, Carl explains who Kodai is. Apparently, Kodai has been called the man who can see the future, obviously, because he's had these visions. And they've allowed him to acquire a lot of success and money. And apparently, he controls all mainstream media, is what Carl says. At least in that region, I'm going to assume. Yeah. The next scene is of Kodai's, I guess, only henchman because it's the only one he uses, scouting throughout the town, I guess looking for uh, Zoroark at this point. Now, neither of us seem to have caught a name for this guy. Yeah, he's just henchman. And uh, it's really... Oh, yeah, th that scene introduces us to the the car boat. The, <laughs> the uh, what you call it? I know them as ducks. Amphibious vehicle. Something that can go on land and water. Yeah, and after... Carl explains that the next scene is of Zorora walking through the town looking for Zorark. And they meet up, and it turns out that the Zorua was a hologram, and the henchman uses some pretty stupid Pokemon tech to, to catch Zorark. The first thing is a weird, like, sphere of metal bars that expand and turn into a cage that then turn into a metal crate i kind of i can i can that's fine that there's been worse at least it turned into an actual cage yeah it wasn't didn't stay floating in its stupid geometric shape geometric shape thank you um it kind of reminds me of the tent from the Jirachi movie, in a way. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, the bottom of it, like, uh, the way the 
bar or the like the slats come out of the bars. But at least it's not made of wood doing that. Yeah. That no was metal. dumb. But I think the the more offensive part is the way he hauls this crate off. He backs up and from the rear end of the the Jeep or whatever it is comes a pair of uh arms. They're collapsible. But they eventually sturdy out and shape two clamps, basically, that hold up the crate. And they're very frail looking. Yeah, and they look like they're snapped. There's right off. no way that this car is balanced correctly to be able to hold something as big as that crate right. without tipping backwards. Unless the front of that unless that engine in that car is super heavy, yeah. In which case I can't imagine it floating well. Right. Yeah. But just you know, just how the entire thing is done with the arms. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. But it's still far from the most offensive thing, but it's still dumb. Yeah. Uh, the next scene is Kodai leaving his plane. On another dumb tech. Yeah. Uh, it could be worse. It, it could be. It, it's not as stupid as the scooter, I think. It's a like a floating platform with a computer console in the front. It's like the one from uh, Giratina. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. It's not It's not as stupid as that, I don't think. I kind of like the standing position he's in, but it, it's pretty bad. Um, and then the assistant goes all weird. It's like, okay, time to really get to work or something like that. And she goes on the computer. Um, the next scene is of Ash and everyone else getting out of the sewer, including the real Zora. It then sniffs around for its meemaw. Still can't seem to find it, obviously. At this point, Ash and Brock, I think it is, mention how how nice that the the plants and the city around here can live together so well. It's kind of like they grew up together, basically. And Carl explains that it wasn't always like this 20 years ago. Like we've said before, all the plants went dead for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And Celebi, who is one of the guardians of the city... Uh, who used to come around a lot, uh, just left during that day, and it never came back until this now. This has four guardians. Yeah. Carl then realizes that Kodai had faked all of the destruction that happened within the city because he sees a bus stop that he saw on TV get actually get burned down, and he realizes, oh, uh, I guess that didn't actually happen, obviously. Sora, being a master of illusion, just made it look like all that stuff happened. Then Zora finally smells, gets gets the scent of its Meemaw, and runs off towards it. And that's the end of that scene. Uh, we then see Kodai floating through the city on his stupid little hover cart. And he has a flashback of the time, the first time he has the vision of the time ripple. It's the same day that he was introduced to his assistant, uh, Rowena. The flashback doesn't make the, uh, the, the his visions any less stupid looking. No. It, it's And everything they show is pretty much just stuff we've either seen or will see soon in the movie yeah. anyway. Uh, he sees the uh, the arena that the Bakker match is held in. He sees Celebi going through the time ripple. And he sees the, the countdown clock that Celebi passed. He also sees Zoroark and a couple of legendaries. Uh, this vision obviously led him to believe that the time ripple was there. And 
and that the time ripple is right next to one of those countdown clocks. The, the flashback then ends and he's at one of these countdown clocks and he has Shuppet use foresight. Apparently this will allow him to see the, the time ripple in some way. Well, isn't foresight the fact that you see the unknown, something unknown or something like that? Maybe. I, I haven't really It's used... explained with when, in Gen 2, if I remember correctly, because it was Hoot Hoot's signature. Okay. And it let it, you see, in the, at least in the cartoon, it let you see ghost Pokemon so you could you know, identify them. All right, fair enough. So, you know, seeing things that aren't normally there. Right. As he's looking through the, the map of the town, a pop-up shows up on his screen uh, of Ash. Ash gets caught on one of those flying drone cameras. That he released when the part we didn't mention. Right. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Kodai recognizes him. He's like, he's one of the people that tried to stop me. Fuck that kid. I saw him in my future vision. Yeah. Uh, it's actually what he calls it. Yeah, future vision. The next scene, uh, they stop. Zora loses the trail again near a another statue, like the, the one of Celebi. Only this is of Entei, Raiko, and Suicune. Carl then explains that the other protectors of the town, besides Celebi, were those three. Lucky-ass town. How can, you, can you imagine how much trouble this town has to be in constantly to need four guardians? Yeah. I mean, what was it? Ultimus only had the two. In, uh, unless they started breeding again. It's weird, because they all came from the same ones. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh. Zora then picks up the scent again and runs off. Uh, getting stopped by a Mightyena and a Tangrowth, or Tanglegrowth, or whatever the hell it's fucking pronounced. The Tanglegrowth uses sleep powder to put the Zora to sleep. And uh, I should mention that we've seen these two before. They belong to uh, Tammy, the old woman, and uh, her friend, who is uh, we find out later is named Joe. Now, are they friends, or, or are they husband and wife? I don't know. I, was, I wasn't sure if they actually mentioned that. I don't remember. It's okay, because Ash and friends show up, and we do find out uh, some someone they're related to. Yeah, Carl knows them. Yeah. Uh, and they also mention that uh, Celebi's back, because Ash and company didn't know that yet. So, yeah, ta Tammy, tells, Tammy tells Carl that Celebi's back, and they're kind of freaked out. And this is where she also explains that Celebi stopped coming 20 years ago when the uh, the mass plant death happened in the town. And we've I've explained this fact at least three or four times now because they didn't. Like, they would give you bits and pieces throughout the movie, like that the plants died 20 years ago and that Celebi left at the same time. But they wouldn't say that all at once they would say it piecemeal <laughs> and it was so freaking annoying so well, i have to repeat it now they're kind of lucky because last time we saw like mass extinction of force and that slowly died yeah <laughs> um after tammy and joe explain all about Celebi, uh zoro then wakes up from the sleep powder uh it kind of freaks out and runs off ash and company follow him and zora ends up surrounded by wild Pokemon that come from the trees and, and the grass and shit. Pikachu and Piplup 
get to Zora first and try to defend it, saying that it's not a bad Pokemon and it's not like Zoroark, because they're obviously all upset because Zoroark tried to take over the town. They almost start to fight. They're kind of in a standoff and a stalemate. When Celebi shows up and uses its magical powers to make a berry grow on all the trees. And then everyone's okay because they have berries. Yeah, everyone's happy because they got berries. It's kind of a running theme for Celebi. It likes its berries. After this, Celebi kind of takes Zoroark away. Like, they kind of just leave because uh, Zoroark turns into Celebi like it does. And it tries to make it fly, but it can't. And then they just kind of kind of walk off. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they just... They just leave the park. They go off yeah. and as Ash and the crew are trying to follow them, uh, Kodai swoops down from the sky. Yep, and catches them in one of the stupid looking cages. Ash kind of does what he does best and he tries to run headlong into the cage, but Carl stops him before he slams his head into it. Team Rocket shows up and they decide to follow the cage because they think... Uh, the legendary trio were in it. And then they realize that they can't follow it because it goes, goes into the water. It goes into the water. This is, the, yeah, this is the, actually setting up the precedent for later on in the movie when the car goes into the water. Yeah, yeah, they have to set that up. Um, Celebi then takes Zorark up a tree, uh, I guess to get a better vantage point to see, to look for its Meemaw. There's really nothing special about this scene. Uh, Zorark does say that it's... Uh, it gets really depressed because obviously it's been away from the Zorark for a long time. Uh, Celebi then uses one of its powers to make a bunch of plant life grow around the Zorark. Zoroa. Oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> I've probably screwed that up at least three times now. In its depression, the Zora howls, causing the Zorark to hear it and try to bust out of its cage again, but it's not successful. Then, Celebi uses its powers to make a bunch of grass grow, which makes the Zoroa feel like it's back sleeping inside the Zoroark's hair. And god damn it, if they fucking put two Pokemon with the same sounding name together again in a movie, I'm going to not watch it. Because trying to freaking say both those names at the same time is a pain in the ass. The next scene after... Uh, Celebi kind of tries to make Zora feel better. Is the assistant, the assistant Rowena, uh, basically hacking into Kodai's file? We don't know exactly what she's looking up right now, but all of, apparently all of Kodai's secret files are behind a password, and the password is Vision, <laughs> because he's unoriginal, and none of the like letters are replaced with numbers, and none of it's like. Yeah. Uh, case sensitive. It just shows up as what six letter screen. Yeah, and she just puts in V I S I O N. Yeah, and then she makes a statement that explains everything. Oh yeah, but and we don't get to explain nothing. Yeah, seriously, this fucking show has a really bad habit of showing you something and then not explaining it for a good twenty minutes, if that. See the illusion cancelers. Or the visions, or the time ripple. <laughs> All that shit just takes forever to explain. 
but she gets whatever she's looking for. Yeah. And she's going through the security cameras and notices that there's an extra crate down in the cargo hold. Yeah, she sees it when she's talking to the uh, the other, the only other henchman that exists for Kodai. Uh, she sees it behind him. She goes down to check it out, and she finds out that uh, Ash and Company are inside it. And apparently Carl knows her, and she's not really his assistant. She's a reporter, too, uh, and she was working undercover to get more information about Kodai. She's the lowest lane of the Pokemon world. Right. And she does. She gets a whole bunch of information, and this is where we get really the big info dump of the movie. We find out that the time ripples that Kodai is looking for appear when a Celebi shows up. And the time ripples collect time energy, and the time energy is what Celebi uses to travel through time. Uh, and Kodai wants to absorb the time energy to be See able the to... Future. Yeah, that's how it use, he uses his future vision. Um, and apparently Kodai had collected time energy 20 years ago in Crown City, and that's what caused the mass plant death. So now we finally know the whole story. Did they actually explain why that causes mass plant extinction? No. I'm assuming that because Celebi uses is the guardian of the forest that if the energy I don't fucking know I can't even <laughs> explain it I tried I really did like maybe it's sapping Celebi's power Celebi's kind of influence over the plants or something like that I don't know but yeah we get a flashback of him doing exactly doing, this yeah and we see some really bad Pokemon tech here we uh yeah. His absorption device is a backpack with a Mega Buster attached to it, basically. But it doesn't shoot beams out. No, it shoots an extendomatic rod with a weird, like, raspberry on the front. And he sticks this, like, weird metal arm in directly into the time portal. Yes. And this is how he absorbs the time energy. And poof, you want to see some stupid Pokemon magic? It's some pretty bad Pokemon magic. Honestly, it's not as bad as some I've no. seen. Like it, at least it's explained pretty thoroughly. Yeah, like you don't need to know like the the science behind what it's doing because it it's messing with you know time energy. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's still kind of dumb. Yeah, absolutely. And after the flashback, we're, we come back to uh, Kodai, and he has another vision. And this vision is of him choking out Celebi. Like, <laughs> both hands wrapped around this thing's neck, and obviously, you know, Celebi's really small, so it's basically around its whole body, but it's like he's trying to choke it to death. Kodai then ends up finding Celebi and Zora. And his latest vision comes true. He uses Shuffet Psychic to uh, bring Celebi to him and choke him out. But a bunch of other Pokemon show up to stop him. Uh, Tangle. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm wrong. That's not true. Zora then turns into Tangle Growth. 
and uses uh, like some kind of vine whip. Maybe I don't. Uh, know. I thought it was plant frenzy. Okay, that works. Yeah, and binds both the Shuppet and the Mistravius. Yeah, Mistravius. Uh, his only two, like his two Pokemon. He has a bunch of Ninjask and uh, two Caesar, but uh, they're not the ones he's using right now. Shuppet uses Shadow Ball to knock out Zora. And then he proceeds to, you know, choke out Celebi. Yeah. Apparently, I, I guess Zora and Zorark have some kind of connection because apparently Zorark feels this in a way. Or it was just sleeping and it wakes up. Either way, it breaks out of its cage and then breaks out of the ship. Meanwhile, the shiny legendaries finally make it to Crown City. And face off with Zoroark. Uh, the result is that um, <laughs> Kodai's plane gets wrecked completely. And then we come back to Kodai and Celebi. While Kodai is choking Celebi, he has another vision of him opening the time ripple. While he's having this vision, Pikachu attacks him to get him off Celebi. Pikachu then show up. Did I say Pikachu? Pikachu then show up. <laughs> Tired. Um, Ash, Ash and crew. Yeah, Ash and crew then show up, uh, save Pikachu because he gets knocked off the tree. And Piplup. Piplup's there too. <laughs> and Piplup, who was there the entire time. Piplup is the Neville Longbottom of the Pokemon universe. He gets super ripped. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe, well, I mean, you've seen Empeleon. Empeleon. We kind of have a standoff here between Ash and Kodai. Uh, this is the part of the vision that he had originally where he faces off against Ash. And that's why he was, you know, captured Ash in the first place. Right. Uh, and he recognized his assistant here. Yeah. And he was prepared for it. So he wasn't surprised by her being a traitor. Yeah. Uh, Ash and company then run off uh, in their little inflatable raft. They uh, go down the river. Kodai sends his little pen-sized spy bot after them. And that's kind of the end of that scene. The next scene is Zoroark fighting through the city against the legendary trio. Uh, turning into them one after another. But I don't really see why. He, well, you know what? I do see why he does that. Because tight matching. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. The thing is, he's trying to outrace the three legendary dogs. Yeah, you can't outrun the masters of the flea ability. You're not getting away from them. No. They know how to run better than anything else. After the scene of them fighting, we go back to the... We go back to Joe's shop, basically. Carl leads Ash and company into basically a... Clockmakers? Yeah, a clockmaker studio, basically. Which is Joe's profession. The Mike Yina owner. And he explains that the countdown clock that is all over the city, there is one more of them. And it is inside the the Bakker Stadium. Oh man, just saying that word. Yeah, it's it's not it's it not a natural feeling to say, but, like, weird. Oh, fucking, I, I've already made one reference to it already, but Quidditch. 
is easier to say <laughs> than Bakker for me. Yeah. Joe made the clocks, and right. essentially the one in the stadium is the prototype exactly. for all the others. And he left it there to commemorate the first one he ever made. And the countdown clocks are literally just countdown timers till the next Bakker match, I guess? They don't really explain what they're specifically for besides yeah, I, that. Yeah, I, th- I think they're specifically just made for Bakker. Town really likes its Bakker. Yeah. It has like 40-some clocks. I'm assuming it's, like I said, the World Cup is... But except instead of uh, being in a different place every year, it's always in Crown City every year. I could, I could buy that. But after Joe explains that, we we see the um, the little pen spy bot that Kodai sent is sitting on the windowsill, and it it goes to fly off. It uh, Kodai sees all this through the camera in the spy bot. And then the spybot goes to fly off, and Pikachu sees it and destroys it. A little too late. Yeah, too little too late. And uh, Kodai and his henchmen speed off for the Bakker Stadium. I have to say that a couple more times during this podcast. Yes, yes you are. Uh, now it's a race. Yeah, it's a race. And, um, Carl knows a shortcut, a real shortcut this time, <laughs> through the sewers. And I don't want to know what fuck Carl was doing to spend that much time down the sewers. He's a journalist. Yeah, that explains it. Well, you got to get to places you don't normally are allowed in. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, the next scene is Zorark and the legendary trio fighting again. It traps them in crystal, and you'd think Entei would be used to that by now. No, it's... That Entei hasn't had crystals. And that's not real crystal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an illusion, yeah, fake obviously. En- fake Entei makes real crystals. Real- fake crystals trap real Entei. Actually, I had to remind myself that it wasn't Entei making the crystals. It was the unknown. I know. But they're related. After Zorark makes the crystals and traps them, a bunch of the of the wild Pokemon from the town show up along with Ash and his group and they're basically trying to explain to the legendary dogs that Zorark isn't the bad guy here it's Kodai uh, so the legendary dogs kind of back off after this delay Ash, Dawn and Brock come out of the sewers from their shortcut and start heading towards the stadium they also have Oh, I sh- we should mention that during the fight with Kodai, uh, Celebi's arm got hurt, and it makes it harder for it to fly, even though it doesn't use its arms to fly. Uh, so Ash has to carry it around. And when they left for the shortcut, it was just Ash, Dawn, and Brock, and Carl let Ash borrow his Bronzong. Or Bronzor. At this point, it's thought because Bronzong can use Flash and the tunnels are so dark. Right. Yeah, we didn't mention that either. We skipped a few things. Oh, well. Um, It's it's minor things. Yeah. They they can watch the movie, too, and and learn all the small details. Then Kodai and his henchmen show up and try to stop Ash. But uh, Ash runs away, leaving Dawn and Brock to stop them. But Kodai uses the amphibious... uh, The amphibious car to drive through the canals and cut Ash off. 
while Dawn and Brock fight the henchmen. Ash gets stopped by Kodai and his uh, Mistravius and Shepet. So instead of, you know, stopping to fight Kodai, he, he hucks Celebi and says, Go, fly, go to the time portal, get out of here. And uh, Celebi and Bronzor fly off. Okay. and so- Yeah. So uh, Kodai chases after Celebi, trying to catch it to stop him. Trying to run over Ash. Yeah. Uh, before... He can get to the time ripple, because right. that would close the said time ripple. Exactly. Uh, the henchmen, we get a little scene of uh, the henchmen fighting Dawn and Brock. Zoroark shows up and basically wrecks everyone. Well, wrecks the henchmen's Pokemon. Being the two Scizor and the horde of ninjas. Right. Oh, Kodai finally cuts off the Celebi, and I think has Shuffet use a thunder attack or electric attack on Celebi. And it turns out that uh, it wasn't actually Celebi. It was Zorua transformed into Celebi and being held aloft by by Bronzor. I thought that was fucking brilliant. I I did not see that coming. No, that was a really, really good plan. Looking back on it, though, when you see Ash toss Celebi, it doesn't have the bandage on its arm. So it's a hit. Ah. Um, Good catch. Thank you. Zor jumps up at... Kodai. Kodai and bites him in the wrist. Right. Very important that he does that. It does that. And Kodai responds to that by shooting out the, like, extendomatic arm and catching Zoro with it. Zoro hears the distress of the Zoroa and runs off to go help it. Ash then pulls the real Celebi out of its back, out of his backpack Tries to let it fly, but it still can't. So Ash obviously holds onto it and runs off to the time ripple. Right before they get there, they see it. They're within, like, say, like, ten yards. The Mistravius shows up and uses its psychic abilities to freeze them in place. Uh, Ash and Pikachu. And Selby, obviously. Zorark shows up to fight Kodai and gets basically beat to shit. Because Kodai is currently using Zora as a hostage. Right. Kodai then wins. Yeah. It, he, he sticks his arm in the time ripple. Good game, guys. Good yeah. game. GG. And uh, before he does, I should mention that Ash yells at him. Or I think it's while he's doing it. Uh, Ash says, no, if you do this, the whole place will be dead again, just like it was 20 years ago. And Kodai says, yeah, it doesn't matter. Zorok will get blamed for everything. No one has to know that I did all of this. And yeah, then he absorbs the time energy. The entire city goes dead, or all the plants go dead. And he kind of starts, you know, doing his maniacal, I, I just one laugh. When he finds out that, no, it didn't happen. It was all an illusion. Zorok <laughs> made it all up. And the only reason Kodai didn't realize it was because when Zoroa bit him on the arm, he broke his illusion canceller bracelet thing. The problem I have with that is every time the illusion or canceller thing was used, they actually had to bring it up to their face. So to... it shouldn't have technically have worked yeah, anyway. It, it wouldn't have worked either way. He would have actually had to look, look through the illusion canceller. To see that it was an illusion in the first place. 
But, I mean, fucking stupid Pokemon tech, what do you want? I don't know, it was still an awesome plan. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like, I, I think they used the illusion motif pretty well in this case. After that, Zoroark and Ash eventually do fight off Kodai's Pokemon, the Shuppet and the Mistravius. Unfortunately, this costs Zoroark its life. After the fight, uh, Kodai gets confronted by the three legendary dogs, because obviously they know what's up now, and he runs into the stadium, and Zoroark uses its last bit of energy to create an illusion that Kodai is back on his ship, on his, uh, his plane. This causes Kodai to fall off the, 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 uh... Balcony. The, yeah, the trainer balcony for the match. And he falls into the grass. He doesn't die or anything. It's just kind of a dick move. And it's still, what, like a four-story drop or something yeah. like that, it looked like. Yeah, it looked like it hurt, but... And then Zora, uh, Zorark, does uh, die and obviously Zoro is not really happy about this and every well everyone's doing their stereotypical this Pokemon's dead and let's cry about it because yeah it's totally going to be permanent and it's just it's like I just want to go home yeah just like uh, Darkrai it's totally dead right you guys Darkrai totally died though yeah we saw him evaporate yeah Celebi then goes into the time portal Time ripple. Time ripple. No, it's it's only a ri- ah, fuck it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then comes out comes back out a second later, all healed up. It doesn't need the bandage anymore. And then it touches Zorark on the forehead, revitalizing it basically. Zorark's all fully healed now, and everyone's happy again. Uh, Celebi leaves for real this time, and Kodai gets exposed. Uh, I, we I, for, I forgot to mention I forgot to mention a lot of shit in this one, but uh, while Kodai was doing his evil genius speech where he reveals his entire plan, Carl, Carl, yeah, Carl <laughs> was videotaping the whole thing. So then they send that I guess they play that on all the TVs around Crown City, and everyone realized what's going on. Officer Jenny is at the stadium, stadium, and arrests Kodai. And that's really it. The the next, the last scene is, uh, well, the second to last scene is Don, Brock, Joe, and Tammy all saying goodbye to what seems to be Rowena, Carl, and Ash, who are on a boat leaving. And then Ash actually shows up with Don and Brock after getting what looks like a some kind of pastry. And it turns out that it was just Zoroa and Zoroark pretending to be Ash and Pikachu on the boat. Which I thought was kind of clever. Oddly enough, Zoroa was pretending to be Ash. And Zoroark was pretending to be Pikachu. They did, they did that just for the tale. Yeah. So they could put that in one more time. Yeah. And then we get your stereotypical goodbye. Like waving goodbye as they, they part ways. And then we get another return to form for Team Rocket, as they weren't really important in this episode. They didn't really do anything. They they do the final goodbye or the final scene, like they did in the, like the first five, five or six movies. And uh, it's just them floating down the river talking about 
if you what would you do if you could see the future and then jesse says something like i don't want to know what the future holds because that ruins the fun of it and that is zorark and the master of illusion uh the credits show the final bakker match that's the last <laughs> time i have to say that phrase um let me just say it from now on ugh. and during the credits we also see a bunch of the gym leaders from the Sinnoh region uh and we also see the diamond and pearl statues or i'm sorry the dialga and palkia statues same thing and uh paul is walking by them <clears throat> so it kind of cements the fact that this is the last yeah. Sinnoh movie. We see all of the major players of Sinnoh. Yeah. It's kind of a, a final goodbye to yeah. them. All of the uh, of uh, contest rivals, all, all the actual rivals, everything. Yeah. And that's really it for the credits. We, we get the stereotypical walking scenes and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, wrap-up stuff. We get to see Zork and Zor actually arriving back in their home country. Right. And oh, we didn't mention that Ash did say that he would go come see them soon. Right, I had that written down. Yeah, yeah, as they're uh, sailing away on the ship, uh, Ash says, yeah, we'll visit your region next. He specifically says region, too. I thought that was pretty funny. So, yeah, it's kind of a wink and nudge to where they're headed next. And that is the end of the movie. So, you want to get right into the... Best and worsts? Uh, sure. Okay. What was your favorite Pokemon for this movie, Doug? My favorite Pokemon? Yep. I love Zora. Zorua. Yes, Zorua. The little one. Yeah. That tiny one. Not not, uh, spaghetti time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's just really adorable. Yeah. I first thought, I mean, did a lot of adorable things at first. It was really cute. Then it started talking and I thought it was going to be shaming all over again. Yeah. But it, it's really cute and just I liked it. Yeah, it wasn't bad for a, I guess a protagonist Pokemon that we get for a talking Pokemon. It's the only only yeah, issue. It wasn't really annoying. Uh, Dawn got Shaman, right? Yes. Okay, because this was a little one. Yeah, yeah. But it also wasn't a legendary, so it doesn't really matter. No. Um, how about you? Brock still didn't get his get one for him. Brock will never get his own legendary. <laughs> oh, that's sad. You? My favorite were the shinies. I thought that was fucking amazing. I I should have known for some reason because I knew about the event legendaries, the event shinies. But I, like, when we first saw the Suicune and it was off color, that's how I always end up figuring out the Suicune is shiny because it's like there's just something wrong with that because it looks it kind of looks similar. It looks like it's faded. It looks like if you took a regular picture of a Suicune and like faded it with age that would be the shiny version of the Suicune and the only reason I recognize the Entei is because its little faceplate is gray instead of red and I have no idea what the difference between the Raikus are uh it's a darker orange if I remember correctly okay they're the weirdest shinies they're the hardest to recognize that's eh, some some of shinies are easy some aren't yeah it depends like uh, I should say legendaries okay th- yeah because I mean, some legendaries are completely different colors, so yeah. they're really easy. But like Black Rayquaza. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your least favorite Pokemon? Uh, that that actually reminds me of how we didn't realize like the uh, Regigigas was in 
uh, Garatina. Yeah, it was yeah, complete, it has it was that complete, same oh shit yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, my least favorite Pokemon. Right. Honestly, in this movie, I really didn't have one. Yeah, it was hard it, for me too. But if I had to actually choose, yeah, it'd probably just be from design points, which would either be the Tangle Growth, <laughs> which I, I just I really never liked Tangela, like and Tangela. I didn't like Tangle Growth. Yeah. Or the Shuppet, because I've never like really liked the Shuppet either. Shuppet. Oh, the ghost thing. The, the ghost puppet Pokemon. I, I don't know. I kind of like the Shuppets. I like the, the Pokedex entry, I guess, the lore behind it. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. Tangle Growth. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't not like them. I just don't like the designs of them. Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it's really hard to choose a least favorite Pokemon for here, because none of them are bad. They're yeah. all decent. Yeah. You? Uh, I actually had to go with Zorark itself. Oh. For a Pokemon whose name is in the title, it really doesn't do that much. Like, it, it causes chaos in the in the city, and then it shows up here and there. And I guess yeah. it, its best claim to fame is when it does its illusions at the end. But okay, mostly yeah. we see Celebi and uh, the Zorua. So it, it should have been more named Zorua since, I think. Zorua, Zorua and the Mystery of Mew. Yeah, and the Mystery of Celebi. Uh, yeah, there you go. If Zorark uh, Spaghetti Time wasn't already the name for this title, <laughs> I would name it Zorua and the Mystery of Celebi. But, uh, so what was your favorite scene in this? My favorite scene is most definitely the... Near the end, it's the Zoark tricking uh, Kodai, yeah. seeing the entire, you know, he won, we're, we're screwed, and then everything starts reversing, yeah. and Kodai's like, wait, what? Yeah. What's going on? That was a really cool moment. Honorable mention for that is Zora, how, when it imitates people, because it's just adorable. Yeah. Because he kind of puts his arms up like a bunny hop, and he just yeah. walks around like that, yeah. and he has his tail. He doesn't realize that's not how people do. Right. What about you? Uh, I put down both uh, of the illusion twists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, the, I, I saw the second one, the 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 big one with Zorark and the, the destruction of the town. But uh, I really didn't see the Celebi one coming. I thought that was really fucking clever. So I, I, I actually really didn't think of that plan. You know that. No, that had to be <laughs> Carl. So, yeah, I thought that was uh, a clever use of the illusions, because the last time we saw some kind of illusions, it didn't go so well with the uh, Master of Mirages. And they have officially run out of those synonyms, I think. Mirage, illusion, hologram. They can't do it anymore. The only thing good on that movie was the really adorable Mew. Yes. That wasn't a real Mew. Okay, so what was your least favorite scene in this movie? Uh, probably the half dozen or so scenes at the very beginning where they're throwing ideas at you yeah. but not explaining anything that yet. That was really rough. Grant, they eventually explained most of it. Yeah. But trying to get into a movie, if you're not understanding half of what they're talking about, you're not going to want to keep watching the movie. Yeah. They fucking throw... Uh... Illusion Canceler, without explaining it, they show, they say time ripple and visions and all this crap. They give you all these ideas and they don't really expound upon them until much later in the movie. 
And it's kind of like, wait, hold on. You're giving me too much bullshit. You're front-loading this movie. Yeah. Like, if I was a little kid, I would have been completely turned off by that because it would have been too confusing. Yeah, I think the second time around, the illusion canceller was a little more uh, obvious because they hold it up to their face and you can see that it's an illusion, but it's a stupid phrase. So it's really hard to get past. What was your least favorite scene? Uh, I have, uh, fuck, I have to say it one more time. <laughs> I told you. Bocker. I, 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 the concept of the game seems pretty cool. Like a, a Pokemon, a use for Pokemon, I, I hate to say it like that, that doesn't involve actually fighting. I think is a pretty cool concept, and like the three v three evolution stages, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but the name is just fucking awful. I mean, I'd hate to be the guy with the Caterpie Metapod Butterfree team. <laughs> just the fucking Metapod sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> uh, of course, they would go against the Weedle Kakuna but Beedrill team and get wrecked because that Beedrill would kill every one of them. Beedrill and, Mega Evolves and just wrecks everything. Uh, they need a butter, Butterfree Mega Evolution. That would be awesome. What would it even be? More wings. No, it would turn pink. That's it. It just becomes the Pink Butterfree? Yes. I would be okay with that. But, yeah, they could have named it so much. Like, they could have named it Pocker. P-O-K-K-E-R. Like, like Poke Soccer? Poke Soccer. Pocker. Come on. Maybe they uh, did and I just heard it wrong, but... Just, no, it definitely sounded like it said Bocker, like with a B. So Alright, uh, now that I don't have to say that word anymore, what was your final rating? Between, from Pokeball being the worst, and Master Ball being the best, with Great Ball and Ultra Ball in between, what was your rating? Honestly, I didn't really have to think hard about this one. Yeah. I honestly really liked this movie. Like, I came into yeah. this movie thinking it was going to be dumb and terrible because... Sword Arc? Yeah, it, it's not a legendary. Like, yeah. Same thing I came in kind of, the Kari movie was kind of, not a legendary. Yeah. But... I gave this one an Ultra Ball. I honestly really like this movie. Yeah, me too. I gave it an Ultra Ball as well. It it was surprisingly good. Like, uh, I'll be honest with you. We put up last week's episode, the the uh, uh, bonus episode, because we didn't want to watch this movie last <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, that was. I was just, actually dreading watching this movie. Yeah, sorry about that. None of us were actually sick or anything. Yeah. It was just uh, we, we were really cautious about watching this movie. Yeah, because. It, yeah, I, it reminded me so much of the Lucario movie, and it I've said it for the past, like, five movies now. It really turned turned around on me. I thought Zoroark was going to be the bad guy. I thought it was going to go after Celebi. <laughs> so I, I've got to say, I've been pleasantly surprised at the last couple of movies. Even the Shaman movie, if you take away the Shaman... I'm going to fucking harp on this Shaman for the rest no, of... No, yeah, the Shaman movie was... Awful. It was it had to be the worst one, just because yeah. of Shaman itself. Well, I don't know. Okay, that well, Mewtwo. It had fucking... it had the worst uh, main Pokemon. Yeah, the main protagonist Pokemon was the worst. I mean, I fucking I was rooting more for Giratina than anything in that movie. Giratina was pretty awesome. Giratina, yeah, Giratina is what saved that movie from being just unwatchable. I really like that Giratina. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it. And that's the last of our Sinnoh. Yep, that's the end of Sinnoh. We're moving right into Unova next it, week. And it's going to be It might strange. be, yeah, the, the next movie is, is Pokemon Black. And uh, White. And Pokemon White. It's, uh, what is it, Reshiram and Victini and, and Zekrom and Victini. Uh, so, 
what are we going to do? Are we going to do the double feature thing? Uh, I s suppose, and just compare different points as we go through. Yeah, I, yeah it's... It, it's really hard, because they're basically the same movie, except for the main Pokemon is changed, and it's, it's really Different confusing. Pokemon are changed, and okay. everything is mirrored. Yeah. It, so it's weird, but neat. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Also, I like how they led into Unova. Yeah, with this, with Zekrom, not Zekrom, Derp, uh, Zorark, Zorark, and uh, Zora, and with uh, Carl's hat. Which, oh yeah, which has a Wubat on it, which yeah. isn't introduced until Unova. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that's where he got it. That's uh, why I actually was checking. Oh, okay. When Ooh, that was, yeah. Yeah, so what we'll probably do is we'll watch the first movie. We'll Maybe we'll flip a coin to see which one we watch first. And we'll record a podcast about it, basically uh, running it down. And then we'll watch the second one. And we'll record a podcast about that, too. Maybe we'll do two separate podcasts for two weeks. We'll stretch it out a little bit. Because we're running low on movies. It is true. And so, watching two movies and I, doing I hope two podcasts. they have that much of a difference watching them, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I hope so, then. Yeah, me too. Because we really don't want right. to bore you. Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. All right. So, until next time. Oh, wait. Hold on. i got to do my outro stuff. <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening. If you want to catch us online, you can find us at genzeropodcast.com. Uh, you can email us at genzeropodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter as, at Gen Zero Podcast. Uh, and if you want to rate us on iTunes, we really appreciate it. Uh, and that's it for this week's podcast. See ya. Later. Zero.